What ho, podcast pals, and a warm, supportive, nurturing welcome to Discontent Provider. Think of it as a cosy, nay, intimate breakfast, where we get together to hash over the horrors of the past seven days, roundly excoriate those responsible for them, and, perhaps most importantly, discuss your career prospects in a way that shouldn't be seen as anything but completely professional and absolutely not creepy, weird or having an inappropriately sexual subtext. Mind you, having said that, Arkham and I were casually glancing at your Instagram the other day and you are looking frightfully good at the moment, so we thought it only right to offer you a hot sausage in the early morning. Ah, uh, no, no, no. No, don't worry about it. That's what industry is all about. Or was, until everybody became a super woke communist. However, let's not dwell too long on such unsavoury thoughts. While our self-imposed remit is to provide a pitiless analysis of current events, and do a song at the end, and the concept of rich and powerful chaps using their organisations as a high-pressure fuck tank is one that is pretty much constantly current, it's questionable as to whether or not it really constitutes news. Were we to constitute it news, we'd have to devote just about every uh, show to it. And also, next week's episode might very well include a shocking in-depth expose of the terrifying truth that water tends towards being on the moist side. No, we're not here to chatter about the avowed uh, determination of any particular body to clean up their act and re-evaluate... Uh, what everybody else could see was a shitty culture for years, or even to debate whether or not said determination is part of a plan to get back into the good books of society at large, having failed dismally to appease Brexit's more, uh, Brexit more vocal and enthusiastic flagshaggers by not being 100% behind the government's handling of our ongoing fuck-up apocalypse. Having said that, of course, it may well have occurred to you that uh, that is the case. It certainly did to me. Time was when those of a bluish bent politically could always rely on citing the CBI when defending a conservative position. Strikes are bad. Regulations are tyranny. Banning child labour was a death blow to investment and innovation in our once great nation. Or similar nonsense. Uh, their relatively mild criticism of Brexit, or at least the government's implementation of it, have rather put them on many people's shit lists. So they really can't be blamed for doing a little spring cleaning. What, what I wanted to expound on this week, uh, it's a topic that is just as perennial, one might almost say evergreen, as that of misogynistic misconduct amongst the well-heeled, but uh, it's a lot easier to discuss. I refer to the Grand National, which, uh, while perhaps still a nuanced issue, seems less complex, less subjective and uh, less requiring of uh, wading through endless baffling graphs and figures to understand than the starkly objective fact of a logjam of fallen horses, their limbs twitching in equine agony as they await the arrival of some fuck stump with a humane killer to put them out of their misery. So put on your best bib and tucker, cats and kittens, because we're off to the races. Even though it does mean that I can't do a don't hold me closer Tony Danker joke, which would have been direct from the tip-toppest draw and objectively awesome in every respect. 
For those who weren't paying attention, the uh, uh, event that marks the high point of the Aintree Festival and the British Racing Year was disrupted by uh, protesters operating under the banner of Animal Rising. The sterling cats and kittens were, and I feel quite rightly, irked at the fact that this multi-million pound load of old toss is still a thing, even though it is notoriously dangerous for the horses that compete in it. Well, I don't know whether compete is the right word for it, uh, but it's more they're being taken there and compelled to run and jump at the behest of tiny malnourished geezers, regardless of their own inclinations or plans for the day. Uh, that's not so snappy, of course. Competing. Let's say they were competing. I'm sure the organisers would. Competing willingly and with real enthusiasm. In spite of the fact that the resulting brouhaha delayed the start of the race by 14 minutes, meaning that millions of mug punters had to wake an additional quarter of an hour to learn that they'd spunk their hard earns up the wall, thoughts and prayers, obviously to them, uh, the most notable consequence of uh, the animal rising bods milling onto the course was, according to their critics, the death of a horse named Hill 16 at the first fence. Now, Hill 16 wasn't the only fatal casualty, apparently. Two other nags went to horse heaven during uh, races leading up to the big one, and seven others took a tumble at the first two fences, leading to various injuries. Blame for Hill 16's death, however, belongs solely to the protesters. That, at least, is the view of his trainer, Sandy Thompson. Quote, It was all caused by these so-called animal lovers who are actually ignorant and have no idea about the welfare of horses. End quote. Mr Thompson also claims that, quote, There were quite a lot of the horses buzzed up, unquote, by the fracas. Now, I'm one of those people who is fairly ignorant about horses. Years of urban living will do that for a chap. And all Arkham here knows about them is that they're not eager playmates for the most part. In fact, when I first saw an unfettered horse having a lark, which seems to consist of lying on their backs and waving their legs about in a manner eerily reminiscent of the dying fly off of Tiswas, I assumed that the creature was having some sort of seizure. But apparently that, the odd canter, and a bit of grass cropping, seems to be all a horse wants when left to their own devices. However, I am sufficiently tuned into the four-footed community to pick up on their none-too-subtle signs of distress and anxiety. So, one rather wonders why Mr Thompson and his confrères of the turf didn't realise that this might be the case and pull the beast out of the race. Apparently, when asked about this, he said, when they got down to the start, nobody quite knew what was happening. Which, uh, rather gives the lie to the unspoken bond twixt man and animal, do it not, to say nothing of leading one to suspect that all that horse-whisperer stuff is the most fearful piffle. Mind you, I always thought that. The idea of anybody under 80 wanting to do a turn with Robert Redford, uh, Robert Redford never seemed wholly plausible to me. That aside, we have the established fact that 5 out of 395 horses running in the Grand National have died in the last 10 years, and that's uh, since it was made safer. Uh, were protesters uh, present on all of those occasions, or could having a dense pack of horses and riders all trying to judge a, uh, a needlessly high fuck-off fence be a factor? Well, 
as I'm not a huge authority on the sport of kings, I shouldn't like to say. So perhaps it is best to leave such decision to the experts who decided to lead, uh, send a bunch of freaked out horses into a gruelling race. A what? They know best. Now, clearly, I am exhibiting what could be, and indeed should be, seen as a personal prejudice here. But I do take the view that all the stuff spouted about how the horses love it, how it's what they're bred for, and how the welfare of the mighty steeds is the organiser's paramount concern at all times, is the purest cant. Racing is, at bottom, a business, possibly one in cahoots with milliners and the cats and kittens who make pims, and the only real interest of any of those involved is almost entirely monetary. I'm not saying that anyone in the game is necessarily intentionally or maliciously, uh, maliciously cruel, although by gosh and gumdrops, didn't the sod squeal when rules were put in place restricting whipping? But uh, I think it's fair to say that the bottom line is the primary concern in most cases. I mean to say, I've seen slow-moving, limping horses that are a bit past their best, and they're happy enough. So anyone who has one of the poor things shot just because it can't race, as opposed to, you know, just living out their days in profitless peace, is in no position to cast stones from anything like a moral high ground. Public opinion, it seems, is pretty divided on the issue. As an addict of call-in shows and a lad who tries to take in as much social media vox poppery as a somewhat limited capacity for reading allows, I've noted that the majority of Britishers seem to be on the anti-side of the protesters. As they seem to be when it comes to the Just Stop Oil coves who disrupted the snooker in this same week. Now, it's hard to tell if, if this is meaningful in any real way, of course. Using social media to take the nation's moral temperature is a chancy affair when only the most committed to a particular topic uh, are tweeting and Facebooking about it, uh, one must always remember that the bulk of people are far too preoccupied with uh, taking pictures of their dinners or circulating revenge porn to be too engaged in anything else. Nevertheless, the all-too-predictable groans of punters who feel that their good time is being ruined by unwashed libtards who ought to have their benefits stopped, puzzling assumption, I'd say, a uh, few dolies could afford to get into a major snooker tournament, after all. Uh, but that, that seems to prevail at the moment. Perhaps that's why Extinction Rebellion have offered to assist the police in uh, seeing that no protests marred this weekend's London Marathon. It, uh, it certainly looks like a judicious PR move. Or maybe they're planning some sort of marathon-based coup d'etat and the Met are being lulled into a false sense of security. We shall see. What truly is depressing about this ongoing anti-protest, anti-strike, anti-human rights legislation grizzling is that each and every grumbling good citizen seems to feel that cheering on the authorities' uh, uh, repression of public demonstrations, and the more brutal it is, the better they like it, is completely groovy because there is not the merest whiff of a possible chance that one day the size tens of the cops won't come down upon them. You know, because they're in the right and there will never be a political change, like, like an election or something, that might just leave them vulnerable to similar treatment should they ever get together to march against Britain's Got Talent having too many foreigners on it. That's the odd thing about authoritarianism. When it's pepper spraying and kettling those with whom somebody disagrees, it's simply spiffing. But when it means that you get banned from Facebook for complaining that Doctor Who is going to be played by a darkie, then it becomes the most unspeakable, heavy-handed tyranny. 
Here's a little nugget, though, that uh, that might provide a ray of sunshine, uh, podcast pals. Uh, a hint that those opposed to kindness, progressive, common decency might be on the decline, if you will. I don't, as a rule, deride or abuse those with whom I disagree. I uh, save that for the people in charge. Uh, on the whole, I take the uh, hate the game, love the players approach, because uh, experience has taught me that uh, calling somebody a fucking idiot is unlikely to win them over to whatever one considers to be the right side. I, I'm going to make an exception here, however, though I won't name any names. The other day, I was listening to a popular radio show wherein people are invited to air their views, and a lady presented the opinion that if horse racing were to be banned, it would be driven underground and organised crime would end up running the show. Now, I have never arranged anything more complicated than a Dungeons & Dragons night myself, and I feel not a whit of shame for that, incidentally. But I'm pretty sure that putting together a clandestine race meeting would be a bit of a non-starter. 50 or 60 horse boxes turning up at any venue, even a remote one, would raise an eyebrow or two, I fancy. So I'm pretty sure that this caller was on a wrong in here. And if that sort of witless cunt is in any way representative of their opposition, I'd say that XR, Animal Rising and Just Stop Oil may ultimately prevail, if only because uh, the naysayers are more likely to accidentally gouge their own eyes out while combing their hair than they are to have any substantial input into the nation's political discourse. Ah, so then, it is with an uncharacteristic sense of optimism, well, in the long term at least, that we wrap things up this week. While I steady my nerves for the song at the end, which will feature an experiment with slide guitar playing that may be an utter disaster, let me remind you that all views expressed on this podcast are simply those of a disgruntled, cockeyed, anti-folk nobody and should be used for entertainment purposes only. All facts and quotes are taken from reputable media sources and if you have anything to say to the world's greatest lurcher and myself, please do so by emailing to discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk or, as I fancy this is the week that we finally pull the trigger on trying out Twitter, you can tweet at Foxy and Arkham. Yes, we're hip to that jive, cats and kittens. Possibly. So, as you give yourself over to an orgy of liking, subscribing and sharing, we'll trudge off and leave our happy place to the innocent birdies. I was the silver fox, Arkham was the black and white dog. Cheerio! From my stall about four in the morning They bundled me into a truck I'm sleepless and weary My eyes are still cleary But nobody here gives a fuck There's no way of knowing quite where I am going But no matter where I end up I'll run and I'll jump So some whip happy cunt might get given The big shiny cup The noise, the confusion The widespread delusion I'm having a whale of a time the crowd seems to like it, they all got excited as we're flocked to the finishing line But I couldn't care less, I just wish I was dead from my ears to my four iron shoes I've got those thoroughbred blues I'm exhausted and aching while they're celebrating, I'm glad it was also worthwhile but how would they like to have me on their backs and to sprint for a bracing half mile? 
They're kind in their way but I'm trying to say this I wouldn't have been my first choice I'd much rather play in green fields all day But nobody hears my voice Some buddies to race with just for fun That wouldn't be too bad But to race for their pleasure, their prestige and treasure That's so degrading and sad But my ass friend's dead, he got shot in the head in the stables They whispered the news that's why I've got those thoroughbred blues. Young and silly, I dreamed of some filly with whom I could nibble sweet grass. But since my castration thought of procreation, don't worry, my prize winning ass. Surgically key assaulted without being consulted, I woke up one day with no balls. I guess I'm condemned just to have mess with friends until I get killed in the fall. The horse flies keep dipping, the jockeys keep whipping, no wonder my nerves are on edge. Another strange track with a twat on my back being forced to leap over a hedge. Nobody asked if I'd rather be free, they'll just use me, then dump me for glue. So I still got no thoroughbred blues. wasn't bad. First go at slide, I'm pleased enough. And if you want to criticise me, I'll just do you for bullying and then you'll never get to be Deputy Prime Minister. Get that up ya!